Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Thriving Minds Podcast with your host, Walter Parada, where we strive to provide you with empowering talks so you can live to thrive. I hope you find yourself in the right frame of mind, focusing on the things within your control. So today's episode is about playing to your strengths, the story of Sir Richard Branson. So Sir Richard Branson is a billionaire British entrepreneur who founded the company Virgin Group, which is a venture capital conglomerate that includes travel and leisure, health and wellness, music and entertainment, telecoms and media, financial services and space. He's dyslexic, which he credits as his superpower because it gave him such a strong imagination to see what's possible. And that gave him a huge advantage in the business world because other people were not creating what he envisioned. In a world that is consumed by only what is seen by the eyes, it puts limitations on what can be done. It distracts the focus to look at the short term only for the long term to be compromised. You know, Sir Richard's ability to see past the present allowed him to make things that he dreamed about a reality. He could bypass the need to get results in the short term to build something massive over the long term. Because of his dyslexia, he struggled in school. And his story shows that school alone is not an indicator of how you're going to do in life. There's too much emphasis that's put on performance of students when they're still in school that it limits what they're capable of. Grades alone do not signal a person's intelligence or their want to learn and grow to be better. Sir Richard has talked about how school was just unappealing to him because it wasn't relevant to what he was interested in. The traditional way of school is to learn facts, but it lacks the creativity and, and engagement that, that does a disservice to the students. For the most part, school is outdated, and there needs to be a reform to fit a student's learning style to bring out the best in them instead of forcing them to be and do things that they're weak in. Now I get it. We got to work on our weaknesses, but that shouldn't be the primary focus. And we got to find something that really grips us, that really interests us. An interesting thing about dyslexia is 35% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic and 40% of millionaires are also dyslexic. You know, these figures make sense because entrepreneurs and millionaires are creative people where they're able to find solutions to problems that people have not yet figured out or haven't given enough thought to do so. Their ability to follow their own paths, figuring out what works best for them, and are not concerned about trying to replicate someone else's route. They might take bits and pieces from others, but they customize things to work for them. Their ability to see the big picture is enough to get them going to make what they imagine possible. As long as they know why they're doing something, they'll later be able to figure out how. I think they need just that freedom to be able to just operate without any restrictions. You know, Sir Richard says one of the last things that he does when starting up a business is hiring accountants because it gives them the freedom to create and then they can figure out the financial piece to make it happen. For many people, dyslexia is seen as a weakness or a limitation simply because of struggling to read or write. And some of this might come from our constant comparison of each other 
where if the majority are reading and writing at a certain pace or a certain level, anything behind that is seen as a bad thing. We're looking to see if we keep pace with everyone else, trying to keep up with the herd. And if we remember, being able to keep up with the herd means you're able to survive, that you don't get left behind for the predator to get you. This then trickles over into school where we get a grade for our abilities in a test form. So the grade that is received is a reflection on the student. The better the grade, the better the student. But this misguides many of those magnificent students that are capable of great things. It's just that they're not given the ability to use their strengths. When it comes to facts, you can measure that in a straightforward way through the tests that are given. But how do you measure creativity and resourcefulness because they're very intangible things that are very difficult to, to physically see. So dyslexia can be seen as a weakness that might keep those who have it behind in the school environment. Sir Richard realized that the best environment for him was to venture off on his own. And he dropped out of high school at the age of 16 to start up a magazine called Student, which he launched in 1968. And it was created to provide an alternative to the boring publications of the magazines in those days. It was made for the youth to be able to express themselves on a wide range of topics that included pop culture, music, and many issues that were going on during that time. And he did have opposition to start up the magazine because the knock on it was, it was too revolutionary. But Sir Richard saw the need for it and had a belief in his vision and himself to carry it out. He started the magazine with only 100 pounds at the time, which just emphasizes that when you have conviction in the idea that you have, you take action and make it happen instead of waiting for the right time or the right amount of money to get started. Things like this are very difficult to measure in an exam or in school in general. We can use stories like this to show us that we can make things happen, but it's up to us to take the action to get started. There's never going to be the right time to do something, waiting for circumstances to change, or waiting to get better in whatever abilities you might be lacking. By being able to just go through with it, you're going to learn along the way. If you look at the cone of learning, we only retain about 10% of what we read and 20% of what we hear, but we retain 75% when we do something. Mistakes and failures will happen, but that's just part of the process. There's no need to wait for a set amount of years of experience or some sort of certificate to get going because if that happens, the risk is constant need for validation or approval that you can do it. Constantly needing to signal that you can. Sir Richard shows us that what we lack in knowledge, we can make up for it in the desire to make things happen. He even talks about how dyslexia allowed him to better delegate things because he knew writing was not his strong point. He was able to have others do it for him, but he set the course that would be taken. Surrounding yourself with the right people is key to achieving what you want. Those areas that are lacking are where others make up for it. This also allows to listen better because others will have great ideas and they're made possible when they're given the freedom to pursue them. His high level of awareness to put people in the right places so they can excel at what they do and he can focus on the big picture. He didn't need to know how to do everything or think that he could 
but he recognized to have a successful business, it required the right people, passion, and a good product. His ability to see things that were simply important allowed him to move forward with what he envisioned. You know, a lot of the times in trying to make our dreams a reality, it can be too overwhelming because the thinking might be all the moving parts required to make it happen. And trying to view things as a whole can make one freeze trying to figure out where do I even start? But when you can focus on the things that are important and make it simple, it gives you the ability to digest things in a better manner so you can move forward. Eventually what you do is you build that momentum that carries you to a new level that allows for stabilization and, and growth of what you worked on. This should remind us why it's important to ask for help, to be able to recognize that your time can be used for something more efficient if you're struggling to get going. And this just starts with being able to know your strengths and your weaknesses and acknowledge when what you're doing could be done better by somebody else. This should not make us feel bad that someone can do it at a higher level, but it should give us a sense of coming together for something greater than needing to prove our abilities. It makes us more open to receive feedback, to improve ourselves, instead of needing to defend our actions and ourselves. The better that you're able to embrace this type of outlook, the better leader you become because it's about putting people and things in place so they can excel. It's about being able to let go of those preconceived notions of how exactly things are going to play out and know that you're going to have to pivot during times of uncertainty or when you're struggling to get something done. As we all know, there are times where we get in the way of ourselves trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. We got to keep that ego in check and know when to get out of people's way. Leading in an effective way is about allowing people to do what they do best and that requires assisting them in what they need and giving them the freedom to get it done. This is that soft touch to know when to teach, correct, be patient, develop, and trust to bring out the best in people. And this differs from bossing and ordering people around because that's predicated on control over them. It's about restricting them to feel good over giving out commands. This obviously severely limits what can be done because it's about crippling people's freedom to do what they do best and it's all about serving the person in charge. Someone who does not have dyslexia might be more prone to this because while they might be really good at many different things, this could lead to having an inflated ego to prove how great they are at a particular thing and they might do it at the expense of another person's ability. The purpose of a team is to work together for a common goal and what leads to poor teams is being stifled. A great leader will recognize the areas that need improvement in and will build the people up to bring out the best in them. And when people feel valued and given the autonomy to work towards something that they truly care about, they give more effort that improves the overall performance. One of the noticeable things about Sir Richard is that he's active in life. He makes it a priority to get up early and move around. He has breakfast with his family, making sure that they feel they're the priority. And it helps him to stay grounded. You know, the reason why we do anything is for the people that we have in our lives so we can share it with them. When we can constantly remind ourselves of that, we ensure that we keep our focus aligned with what's really important. 
He makes sure whatever activity he does, he has fun doing it. So whether it's cycling, kite surfing, tennis, whatever it might be. And this is a great way to stay engaged, having that healthy lifestyle. Because sometimes with just a plain workout, it can feel a bit like a chore where eventually the focus might not be there. And you might not do it as well as other days. By having a variety of different activities or exercises to do, it gets the mind and body engaged so you can do things more purposely because you've already primed yourself for it. So how he starts off his day is an indicator of everything else that he does. He breaks free from restrictions and is heavily against fancy suits and ties. While suits can signal a level of professionalism, it can also feel like a lofty set of expectations of appearance, and instead, he values the people. And this sets the tone to be yourself, not trying to conform to a certain criteria. I think this is very admirable because we're all different in our own ways, and that's not a bad thing. We shouldn't try to stifle our uniqueness because that's what makes us who we are. If we feel that we have to behave or look a certain way, then that can affect how we feel about ourselves and that's going to affect the effort and performance that we give. And this might come from his creative thinking style where we know that creativity needs room to do its own thing. It's spontaneous where it happens at any time and by physically being free to be yourself, it allows for great ideas to come about. And when creativity strikes, you got to pounce on it because it can be very elusive. To go along with that, Sir Richard carries a notebook with him and he writes down his ideas as soon as they come to him. This is a great way to capture the train of thought because while the idea might be remembered without having to write it down, it can be vague when it's only kept mentally. By writing it down, it can be expanded on more at a later time so that train of thought can be continued. Sometimes these great ideas come about because of that environment that you're in and it's going to be very hard to simulate it where it pops back up again. I'm sure we've all experienced that moment where we had a thought and then something distracted us and we're frustrated trying to figure out, what was I thinking? So having that notebook helps to retain those valuable thoughts. And what writing it down also does is it sharpens your memory so it becomes more vivid. Probably one of the biggest takeaways from Sir Richard is that he views life as an adventure to push ourselves by setting goals, being able to handle the hardships that we experience, to, to achieve great things. He's accomplished some pretty impressive things, obviously starting his business at a young age, building Virgin Group, but he also set records of powerboat racing, crossed Atlantic Ocean in a hot air balloon, reached the edge of space on a space plane. This can help explain why he struggled in school. He had such an urge to take on and accomplish some really great things. The way most schools are taught, it's you sit in the classroom and listen to a teacher go over their lesson plan. Who would really find that interesting when they have the ability to do some of these extraordinary things that Sir Richard has done? Sometimes a student such as Sir Richard might be seen as dumb or there's a problem with him. But really, do we come to ask ourselves, is the problem with the system itself that it's designed to fit very few people and everybody else must adapt to the system? 
School and many workplaces often have one correct answer thesis, where there tends to be only one answer and everything else is wrong. That's coming from seeing things in the same manner over and over again. This puts limitations on what can be done and chips away at being multifaceted. This conditions people to see things in absolutes where it is right or wrong, that there's always a winner and always a loser. And what we come to find out over time is that there can be obviously many right ways, many winners to a situation. It doesn't have to be the winner comes at the expense of the loser. This, in a way, can be seen as a fixed mindset because it's about this or that and there's no room in between for negotiation where things are seen as they can be done or they can't be done. But with a growth mindset, it's about it can be done. It just requires more work to get there when we fall short. People who have that creativeness within them understand that there can be multiple ways to get a correct answer. And it's dependent on the person as well. The right answer for me may not be the right answer for you. So my path to success may not be the right way for you because maybe what you're striving for is something different. You could apply certain concepts to work for you, but simply following someone else's game plan may not get you the results that you were striving for. We know that things will change and what worked in the past may not work or may not be as effective today. So this requires the ability to adapt. Life is constantly changing and looking backwards for answers is going to yield poor results. The past can be used as a reference, but having the ability to visualize how things can play out keeps you ahead. That proactiveness allows you to better capitalize on opportunities that come your way. If we just take a look at dyslexia back when Sir Richard was in school, it was viewed as a handicap. But now as more research is done and more stories about how people leverage it, we can see that it can be a strength if properly used. It's about knowing how we best operate and finding or creating an environment to thrive. So get to evaluate yourself because it's going to be key to put yourself in great situations. Sometimes this is going to involve questioning the situation or the system that you're in. And that largely comes from being able to trust yourself. Not letting people convince you that you need to be a certain way or that something is wrong with you. What is different tends to be misunderstood because others have not yet taken the time to learn about the things outside the realm and it scares them off. It can make others think, how come you're not like me? And when we have similarities, we share a connection. But when we don't, it can further the distance between the opposite ends. If you happen to feel different and it makes you feel bad about yourself, don't let others try to convince you that there's something wrong with you. What's the need to be like everybody else? To look, think, and act the same. What's so great about that? Come to embrace everything about yourself, especially the unique aspects. Find out how you can use your uniqueness to your advantage. It can definitely help to have others that might be going through a similar thing to, to connect with but if you don't, take the time to appreciate what you have. Being alone is not a bad thing. It can be used as an opportunity to understand yourself more. Knowing who you are 
and what drives you gives you a huge advantage because you have more time to know what you're striving for and figuring out how to make it happen. Sir Richard shows us that we can use those unique skills to work for us, that we don't have to know everything or be really good at something to get started. It just requires a certain level of curiosity and desire to go after what we want. Our imaginations are extremely powerful and we got to give it time to figure out how we envision our lives playing out. With enough time dedicated to it and taking action towards it, we'll figure out how to make it happen. Focus on the things that can be done and don't let the naysayers put limitations on you. Sir Richard shows us that we don't need a lot of money to get started. In his case, what was a business, but whatever it is you choose to do, you can do something about it right now. How you perform in school and even the work environment is not a predictor of how your life is going to play out. For many, school and the job that they might be in might just be unappealing and you just need to find what it is exactly that you're passionate about and what really drives you. When you can figure that out, you can truly excel at it because you have the ability to put all of your energy into it. It'll get to the point where you have the initiative to do things on your own, not waiting for permission to get things done. Sir Richard's story is something that we all can reference to and draw some sort of inspiration from. Just because we're different from the norm does not mean something is wrong with us. We just need to figure out how we can use that difference, that uniqueness that we all have, and leverage it as a strength of ours. Let's not believe what others tell us of what we can or can't do. Tune out those naysayers that are trying to bring you down and find the people that empower you to be you. Mistakes and failures are not a bad thing. They're just an opportunity to learn something and apply that going forward. The earlier that we can experience this, the greater tolerance is built up to it that allows us to be resilient and push forward. Have that trust in yourself to go with what you think is right for you. And if you're wrong, so what? You'll figure out a way to be better for it. Let's embrace the hard thing so we can condition ourselves to it where it does not discourage us, but fuels our desire to be better. Enjoy the journey that we all take, and with that comes the highs and the lows. Remember, things are never as good or as bad as they seem. They're consistently right in the middle, so when you feel down in the dumps, know that it's not the end-all be-all. And when you're riding high, understand that that feeling is not going to last, and it's hard to get back to. Our weaknesses can be leveraged to work for us, and we should find out how. Use your strengths to your advantage by continuously refining it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're interested in more topics like this, become a Thriving Minds member at www.thrivingminds.live. It's your personal development resource to help you build the right mindset so you can live to thrive. All right, until next time. Thank you.